I want to share what I'm learning because I got so frustrated and I knew there's others like that and I don't want them to stop. This music thing is so life enriching. I want everyone to experience it and have it be positive. Welcome to Recording Studio Rockstars. I'm Lid Shaw, and this is the podcast created to help you become a rock star of the recording studio. Hey, everybody, it's Lid Shaw, your host of Recording Studio Rockstars, the podcast bringing you inside the recording studio. I created this show to introduce you to real world recording professionals to hear their stories and learn from their experiences so that you can take your records to the next level and become a rock star of the recording studio yourself. My guest today is Kern Ramsdell, a music lover and creator of Home Recording Weekly, where his goal is to share everything that he learns about writing, playing, recording, mixing, and mastering music in a home recording studio. In his own words, Kern says, quote, I simply must get the music that I hear in my head out. I love it when a song begins to come to life. Kern publishes videos, product demos, and reviews to help you out, as well as hosting the Home Recording Weekly Podcast. And Kern has also created a really cool resource called the Home Studio E-Bundle to help you get more realistic MIDI instruments in your productions, better sounding bass and guitars using virtual instruments, and better mixes as a whole. You can find out more at his site, Home Recording Weekly, and of course, I'll have links to all of this in the show notes at the end. Please welcome Kern Ramsdell to Recording Studio Rockstars. Kern, are you ready to rock? I am so ready to rock, Lidge. Dude, it's really a pleasure to have you here on the show. Um, I can tell by the sound of your voice that you are not from down in the south near Nashville, but you are from somewhere up in the beautiful northeast where I grew up. Can you tell us where you are calling from? <laughs> I'm in southern Maine. Uh, thanks for having me, by the way, on the show, Lidge. It means a lot to me. I was raised up in northern Maine, up on the Canadian border. I live in southern Maine now, but yeah, on the east coast, all the way up in the corner there. I love Maine. I go there actually every summer of my life. I go up to Acadia National Park, Seal Harbor, Maine. Just a beautiful, beautiful place on the coast. Yeah, it's the second most visited park in the U.S., by the way. Wow, I didn't know that. Yeah. Well, I kind of wish they would drop their price at the entry then. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I spent a summer there, and it's one of my favorite summers. You know, it's just a wonderful experience. Yeah, it's really beautiful. Well, so Maine, what a fascinating idea. So you were up in Maine. I think of that as, you know, deep green woods and ice cold winters and beautiful summers. Tell us more about who you are and how you got into making music and what you're doing up there. All right. Um, let's see. I was in the service and I taught myself how to play guitar, had a lot of idle time. So when I got out, I joined my old friends in a band. Like I say, where I'm from in Calais, and we used to play in Canada and, and all these places. And I had a great time. And then my back got so painful. I, I got this injury in the service. So I couldn't do that anymore. So I got into recording. You know, like you, I got a four track, I got a dynamic microphone, and I started recording the music that I had written or had in my head. And I would have my friends come over and I'd record a song for them, one of theirs, and I'd have them play something on my music. I just got infatuated with it. I couldn't stop doing it. It became all that I thought about. Yeah. 
I, I was getting demo quality stuff, but the important part is I was learning how to use microphones. I was learning how to track things up, you know, how people recorded music, even though it was on a four track, you know? Well, I was going to ask you something. So at this time, you know, of course, you were talking about a while ago when tools were different, when you'd start out in a four track. Uh, for anybody who's listening now, who doesn't know much about that. I'm guessing, did you have a cassette four track where you'd pop a cassette in and you could just record four individual tracks? Yeah, the Tascam, was it a 424 or yeah, something? Yeah, or the Porta Studio or something, yep, right? Yeah, that's the one. Well, now tell us also, I'd love to have a sense of who some of your influences were back then. What were some bands that you might have been excited to try and emulate? Uh, just off the top of your head, if you remember anybody. Yeah, I've always been into rock and roll. So, you know, John Cougar, that kind of, of American-based rock and roll, I would call it. Brian Adams, yeah, Straight Ahead, Tom Petty. I was trying to emulate that as well as, you know, figure the whole thing out. Like, how are they getting this wall of guitars sound? And I kind of got derailed with my back injury, got addicted to medication, and, and I was very angry for a long time and, and fell out of the whole recording thing. But luckily, I got back. You know, I, I got my act together and got my life together. And DAWs were all the rage all of a sudden, you know. And I got back into recording and was excited to because now, I mean, with these DAWs, you have unlimited track counts. Mm -hmm. So I knew I was going to be able to record a, a polished album in my living room, mm -hmm. right? Well, come to find out I couldn't. It didn't sound any better than the four track days. Wow. And it just threw me. I, I couldn't understand it. You know, it should be so easy. It wasn't the tool that made the difference, huh? <laughs> no, no. But it was a good thing because I got back to, you know, get it right at the source and what's going on here. So I started home recording weekly out of my frustrations, out of researching why I couldn't make my recordings sound any better with all these tracks. And I had to teach myself EQ and compression and limiting and panning and, you know, everything that we do. I was sharing what I was learning on the website and I haven't stopped. So that's very cool. So you you basically started a blog to help and teach from your very first experience of learning how to do this yourself. You, I'm going to guess that, you know, the content in your blog is really truly understands the struggles of what somebody with a home studio is going through because you were going through all of this yourself. I think if you go back in my posts, you can feel my frustration just hoping no one else feels that way if they read my article, you know? And I try to write my reviews that way too, as a home recording guy. Is this product helpful or not helpful, whether it's training or monitors or whatever, mm -hmm. you know? Okay. And so here we are years later, you know, you've learned more about doing all this stuff. What were some of the initial frustrations? You know, what were some of the first failures that you experienced that probably somebody else with a home studio is going through right now? Great question. I get emails to this day. You know, I knew I had to EQ my tracks, but I thought there was a right way and a wrong way. You know, the happy face EQ settings we all do. Mm -hmm. I was putting that on every track, but it wasn't sounding right. And I didn't understand subtractive EQ practices. I didn't understand how to make each track have its own frequency space, you know? Things like that that you learn along the way that I just didn't have from the four-track days. I mean, we had a treble knob and a bass knob, if I remember correctly. Right, exactly, yeah. It's somehow it seems oddly fitting that you're going through these major personal struggles and, you know, feeling down about it all, 
and discovering that you just couldn't put a smiley face on everything and make it better. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, thanks for pointing that yeah. out. That's pretty cool. Okay, so you were struggling with EQ. You tried just boosting the bass and boosting the treble everywhere. I'm guessing that at times you said, but this sounds great on this one track by itself, but when I put them all together, maybe you found that they just didn't add up in the right kind of way? Yeah, I, I think the first few songs I got done, I was so proud of them and I'd play them for people and I didn't get the reaction I expected. It just sounded like mud. But to me, they were like my children, you know, and I loved yeah. them. But the more I learned uh, about what sounds right and what does not sound right, the more I thought, wow, the, I, and I still have the those songs on SoundCloud. If you listen to them, they're terrible, but I can't take them down because that's how I measure my progress, right? That's great. That's I think that's very considerate of you to let people really see before and after, because I think most of us want that. You know, sometimes we see somebody who's really doing a great job with it or they got a great recording and we think, you know, what did it sound like when they started? Do they they probably were great all along. You know, then they're not like me. I'm dealing with all this. I'm not so good and I'll never get that good. Exactly. You know, people say you're so talented and gifted, but no one sees how they came up through the ranks. You know, they just have their beautiful polished stuff. You know, some of your guests like Joe Gilder and Graham Cochran, you listen to their music that you know they used a couple of microphones and the same gear that we have, but they sound so good. And you think, oh, they're just gifted and talented, but they worked very hard and they've learned a lot. Yeah. Let's go from the struggles to some successes for you. What were some of the things that you started to see that felt like you were figuring it out, like a classic moment of succeeding in making your records? I guess when people start asking me, and that happened pretty quickly, and I didn't have the answers at first. But now when someone emails me or, or even calls me, I mean, I'm open to everybody contacting me. I, I love it when they ask me questions and I'm able to help, you know. People reached out about acoustics, you know, why do the recordings suffer when they record in a big open room mm -hmm. or you name it. I just love when I get asked questions because I'm able to help people and it makes me feel like maybe they trust me because I've been in their shoes. Yeah. So for example, like why does my vocal sound like I'm singing in a closet? Maybe it's because you're singing in a closet. <laughs> yeah, yeah, right. I um, get emails all the time about, do you really need room treatment? I use headphones and they're not understanding, you know, it's about the recording correctly and it's not about mixing as you record their steps and you go through it so many times it's almost like a speech you have written you know mm -hmm. get it right at the source begins with the instrument and the song and then you know each step of the process you got to do it right it, it is an art and it is fun but there are some kind of rules that you have to follow yeah you know you mentioned a speech as an analogy I would say that when you're preparing a speech you also need to know what it is that the listeners want to hear and maybe Maybe the example, to continue the analogy over to making music, is you kind of need to have a sense of what it is that your song needs to do at the beginning, you know? Yeah, I agree with that completely. Long story short, I don't have all the answers, but I'm very fortunate in a lot of ways. I'm a stay-at-home dad. I don't have a day job. I couldn't get one if I wanted one. No one would hire me. So I'm really flexible. I work around my son, but he's getting older now. So I have more and more time to be in my home recording studio. But that's also kind of awful because I need to really hustle in audio to make, you know, to put food on the table. Mm -hmm. So 
I love to help people, but at the same time, I'm a one-man show, and I have to work in audio, too. So I'm torn that I can't do more. Yeah. Well, I think, I think it's great <laughs> that you bring that up, because I have received emails from listeners who say their number one struggle is, you know, one of my listeners talks about working a 15-hour day and having no time and maybe one day a week off and you know how do they manage time so that they can find a chance to make music at home and do that so maybe you could talk a little bit about managing that time struggle and you know when you're dealing with all these financial struggles and stuff how do you carve out a moment of real creativity so you can sit down and and make music that you feel good about it's a very real topic and it's tough and i wasn't good at it i actually had to sit down with my wife because i was absent when i started my podcast it takes great amounts of time to to be an online website and presence so you have to wake up early you have to stay up late you have to do what you have to do to make the time you have to learn about scheduling you have to you know joe gilder talks a lot about this kind of thing the whiteboarding planning ahead and committing and it's boring for a lot of people because we just want to make music right mm -hmm. but you have to do whatever it takes you know i remember the days of having a job and just looking forward to the weekends when i could play with my friends in the band and stuff so i i get that so now with me it's about realizing what time i have available and how to use it the best that i can yeah I know what that feels like. I've been staying up a lot lately, just getting the podcast together, getting emails out, all that kind of stuff. And then on top of that, making sure that I remember to pick up a guitar and work on music at the same time. My, I take my hat off to you. I just, your life must be a blur. <laughs> it's a blur right now, but it's a blur that I'm really enjoying. I'm also a single dad. That's what, that's what I am first. And mm -hmm. my daughter's nine. She loves music. She loves acting. She loves singing. Uh, she just went for a violin lesson this morning, you know, and it's a lot of pleasure to sort of work side by side with her and, you know, keep her included in the process of beginning recording studio rock stars. And it's just fun to kind of show her what this is all about and show her what I'm doing. She's, she's very supportive. It sounds like you're very yeah, blessed. I am definitely. Thank you. Well, so tell me, Kern, tell us something that you're really excited about right now with what you're working on. I'm really excited about the band that I just started working with. Like, I also do live music locally. I've been doing that for a few years now and started with an, I know, of all things, an 80s cover band that's fronted awesome. by a female singer. It's totally not my style, but I love it. It's a lot of fun. I saw an ad on Craigslist. Uh, basically, they're looking for a sound person. They had no requirements except for no drama. And I got it. And I saw what they had. They had bare bones equipment. They don't understand anything that I talk about, EQ, compression, you know, parallel, this, that. You know, they just let me do whatever I want. So I've had a lot of fun bringing in compression and the gear that I'm able to get or talk them into getting and working it into the signal. It's I'm really having a lot of fun doing that. That's cool. You know, the concept of being in a cover band, I've sort of had some experience with that myself, played, played in cover blues bands. I've learned covers and gotten up on stage. And I think when I started, maybe I had this idea that the only cool thing was to write your own music or something like that. And it wasn't until I started learning other people's songs that I realized the incredible value in doing that. Because when you join a cover band and you and you learn all these songs, you're basically studying the greats. You know, if you were a, 
and a painter and you went to the art museum and you sat there and you painted the great oil paintings. Um, you know, it's, it's similar. If you start a band and you learn all these very successful tunes and you, you start figuring out how they go together. I think ultimately that really is a positive thing for creating your own music because it gives you that kind of insight into what puts together a, a well-produced song or a well-arranged song. Great minds think alike. I, I totally agree with that. I was watching something the other day. I, I can't remember if it was Smoke on the Water or what song it was, but they said it was a, you know, Mozart song that they, um, bum, 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 that they just, you know, flipped it around. So when I was learning guitar, I just studied other songs that I knew and grew pretty quickly. When you play by yourself, you don't get that. And, you know, it goes with like with lessons. When you're sitting down with someone, you learn twice as much, twice as fast because you get theirs and they get yours. And I know that you put a lot of effort into reviewing some great training products out there for people who are putting their home studios together. And one of the people that you have reviewed is David Glenn, David Glenn Recording. Yeah. And he's made a lot of great training videos on mixing. I'm also aware that one of his methods for teaching people how to mix more effectively is to use examples. Same idea with learning other people's songs to create your own songs. He teaches some ways to use other people's finished mixes to inform your own mixes on, on frequencies and things like that. Do you want to talk at all about any of that stuff that you have reviewed or, you know, where where our listeners can go on your site to learn more about products that you've reviewed that will help them out? Well, sure. Um, at some point, having a website, it got expensive, podcasting and, and all of it. So I do reviews uh, for two reasons. Number one, I was so poor, I could only buy one training and I didn't know which one to get. So I do my reviews like I've got this much money to spend, which review is best mm -hmm. for you? You know what I mean? So anyway, I've been lucky enough to get a lot of training and I try my best to be honest and relate to what I'm learning. No, that's awesome. So basically, I wanted our listeners to know that Kern has done the hard work and the legwork of going through a wide variety of options for you. He's already gone and taken multiple different training products and reviewed them, given a breakdown, so that if you're starting out and you're thinking, I'd like to learn more about mixing or recording or room acoustic treatment or whatever, and you're not really sure where you should start, go visit Kern's site. Kern, how can they find out? And, and I think you have some free giveaways with yours too, if they do go through your site. Yeah, thanks for, for bringing that up. You can always email me. I get emails all the time. Which one should I buy? This one or this one? What membership site should I join? And I love that. And I, I'm honest when I answer. And there's people out there that can vouch for me. So again, um, if you read a review of mine or watch the video and you make a purchase, I do get a small piece of the sale and it helps me to host the podcast and the website. So if you do use one of my links, just send me an email telling me what you purchased and I send you through three free video products. The titles of the three video training products, uh, one of them is the MIDI transformation. Uh, it's about virtual drums and how to write MIDI so that it's realistic sounding. I think anybody with a home studio is going to be struggling with that. If there's the first and foremost instrument that's going to be hard to record at home, it's going to be the drums. Exactly. And you want them, you know, at the end of the drumming writing, the MIDI portion, you want to have drum stems, right? You want overheads and a snare and a kick. And a lot of people just 
can't get their head around how to extract that. So I, I put that together. It's, you know, use my link, you can have it. Um, another one is the Pro Mixers playbook where I go through uh, hours of, you know, column plays, if you like, like mixing in mono, using reference tracks, all of that stuff, compression, EQ. It's like a mini training program. Uh, and then the third and final is Perfect VI Bass and Guitar, where I open up, you know, guitars right into my interface. And then I use Amplitube or whatever I have. And I take you through how to get, use those to the best. Yeah, I mean, it's so amazing that with a computer and a keyboard and an electric guitar, you can create the entire sound of a loud rock and roll band inside of a laptop these days, you know, without, in a pair of headphones if you need to. You don't even have to bother your roommate. You could be in a dorm room with somebody and get this stuff done. We are so lucky to be living in, in this time in history, I think, you know. It's, it's overwhelming what you can do, and it doesn't have to be extremely difficult. It, it can be a lot of fun. Well, so, Kern, tell our listeners where they should go if they want to get one of your reviews and then follow up with your free training e-bundle? You know, homerecordingweekly.com. That's the name of my website. I'm on YouTube. I'm on Facebook. And I have a podcast on iTunes. I'm kind of in the process of moving right now. So my podcast is kind of paying the price, but I will be back up and running very soon. Uh, yeah, hit me up. Uh, my email is kern at homerecordingweekly. If you, you know, all my reviews are over there. And if you Google any product that you're thinking about, probably one of my reviews will pop up. If you purchase, just send me an email. It's the honor system, no problem. Awesome. Well, you know, I would say the uh, silver lining to the fact that you're taking a break from your podcast for a moment while you move is that it just gives listeners more time to think of more questions to ask you when you're back live. <laughs> <laughs> I love it when they ask me questions because they make great podcast episodes yeah. too. You know, they're not the only one with that question. They're the only ones that actually, you know, sent me the question. So that's a good way to help other people yeah, too. Indeed. So um, rock stars, Listeners, if you have any questions about running your own home studio, please reach out to Kern Ramsdell at the email that he provided, and, and uh, he'll be glad to answer your questions. So next up, we're going to pause for a moment, and then we'll go into the jam session. Sound good to you? I'm ready to jam. Hey, everybody, it's Lid Shaw, and I want to thank you so much for listening to this episode of Recording Studio Rockstars. I really appreciate you, and I really appreciate your time. And as a way of saying thank you, I've created a special mix tutorial just for you, Rockstars, totally free, called the Mix Master Bundle. With it, you get over two hours of detailed videos watching over my shoulder as I mix a song in my studio. Plus, I give you the free ebook that explains how I recorded the tracks, and you get downloadable multi tracks so that you can practice your mixes, including the Pro Tools session file, using nothing but stock plugins in Pro Tools, all of which you would find in any other DAW, whether you're on Logic or Studio One or Reaper. Maybe you're struggling with trying to improve your mix technique, or maybe you just simply don't have access to multi track files or can't record a full drum set in your studio. I wanted to give you a chance to create your own mixes from full drum kit, bass, and guitars recorded in my studio. The song is called American Winter, and it's off my instrumental record, Skadoosh, and it's all available for you totally free right now. All you need to do to get it is text Mix Master Bundle to 33444, and I'll send it directly to your email. Again, that's Mix Master Bundle with no space 
to 33444, or you can go directly to mixmasterbundle.com, enter your email, and I'll send all the files directly to you. Thanks so much, rock stars. We'll see you guys in the jam session. Cheers. All right, cool. We're back, and I'm here with Kern Ramsdell, and we are ready to rock out on the jam session, a series of quick questions where you can kind of give your first thoughts and uh, some tips to our listeners. Sound good? I'm excited. Awesome. All right, so Kern, tell us at the beginning, what was holding you back from getting started in recording music and, and running your home studio? I uh, I would say two things. I, I didn't think I had anything to offer. I, I just thought, you know, who am I to put a podcast out there? Who am I to share what I'm learning? I just didn't believe in myself. Once I got over those hurdles and realized there's all kinds of people in my position that enjoy help or listening to this kind of thing uh, during their commutes or whatever. You know, I just mm-hmm. had to get over that who am I kind of thing that a lot of people suffer from. And so um, how did you get over that? I just put my head down and said, you know, I, I want to share what I'm learning because I got so frustrated and I knew there's others like that and I don't want them to stop. This music thing is so life enriching. I want everyone to experience it and have it be positive. Any tips for people who still have that loud voice in their head saying, who are you to think you're worth doing this? Oh, good question. Uh, just, you know, I called a couple good friends of mine that have home studios uh, when I was frustrated and not knowing what the future was going to be. And they're like, they helped me redefine my audience and the fact that I don't have all the answers. I don't have Grammys, but what I do have is a shared, you know, all I've gone through all of the problems that everyone else has gone through. And I have kind of worked out where they're getting snagged. That's great. Well, so maybe that leads us into the next question, which was, what was some of the best advice you received when you were getting started? Definitely uh, get it right at the source. You know, the song production pyramid, if you're familiar, I, I know you're familiar, but maybe some other folks aren't. It's set up where you spend most of your time at the production, the pre-production, the songwriting. And then each step you go up in the pyramid, you spend less amounts of time and do less heavy lifting. Uh, and that's like the recording phase and then the mixing phase and then the mastering phase is at the top. So once you realize you know, get that instrument sounding just the way you want it. And then when you record it, you don't want to take away from that. You want to keep it as pristine as possible. Then, you know, once you get your mindset that way, you don't fix it with the computer. That just doesn't work. Mm -hmm. Uh, Even though I thought that when I got the computer, like I don't have to, I can just set a microphone up anywhere. I can just throw it across the room and fix it in the computer. And that was the farthest thing from the truth. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> yeah, you can throw a microphone anywhere up in the room and then come back and re-record your record later if you want to. <laughs> sure. <laughs> well, so yeah, I'm I'm looking at your master or your uh, your song production pyramid right here. I think you've added it with one of your episode 70 of your podcast. So, listeners, if you want to go check out Kern's podcast, I think you give a deep description of the whole songwriting pyramid at that point, right? I do. I do. To the best that I can. You know, I I'm not an eloquent speaker by any stretch, but I know, you know, the home recording words and and mindset of most of the people out there, I think. Well, yeah, but I think we're all going to love listening to the sound of your Maine on the border of Canada accent. I don't know about that. (laughs) 
I like it. I, I've been told I sound British. British, right on. British, well, you know, yeah. That just means we're sophisticated. I don't know. <laughs> well, so, all right. So tell us um, what is a like a great recording tip, hack, or secret sauce that our listeners could maybe take away and use right now to make their records? Yeah, I just got, I just learned this again the other day. The, you know, I, I'm also a photographer. I don't do it like I used to, but put your microphone up record a piece of it, listen back and then move it, you know, do that a few times to get the best spot. We fall into the trap of just putting our microphones up where we always do thinking it's going to sound the same. And it doesn't. Um, recently, I, I've been doing a lot of videos twice because I trusted the microphone was going to work where I put it. And I, you know, tore everything down and start editing and it sounded awful. Now put your microphone up, listen back to it move it around, off axis, you know, do that first. Yeah, that's great advice. I just heard that recently too. It may have even been from Graham Cochran that the idea of just listen to the mic, move it to a new spot, listen again, um, and see what you think. I mean, because you don't really know. I'll follow that up with a couple of my thoughts on the challenges that you run into when you do that. Sometimes you move the mic and then you move it somewhere else and you move it somewhere else and then you go back and go, gosh, that first place I had it was great. <laughs> yeah, we get lucky like that sometimes. So have you found any effective ways to get back to that first placement? Even if it gets worse every time, we're still learning, right? Yeah, so totally. We, I love making mistakes. I love it because I learn from my mistakes and I've made them all. Well, I will say this um, to rock stars out there. Don't forget about your smartphones. If you got one, it's probably got a camera on it. Use that thing like crazy in the studio. It's so easy to take a snapshot of something and then look at that 10 minutes later even and go, oh yeah, that's right. I had it set like this, you know, if you want to. Speaking of smartphones, I saw a cool tip online that I do. Uh, a guy uses his light, like you know how you get a flashlight on your yeah, smartphone yeah. to look in the speaker cab, you know, to oh, to, yeah. to see the speaker much better. That that was so simple, and yet it's changed how I mic up guitar cabs. Yeah, and I'm going to take that a moment further uh, because it's such a good tip. I see this all the time. People don't always realize, you, you know, stick a mic in front of a guitar cabinet and the guitar cabinet probably looks like just one big piece of dark fabric and you can't see through it to see the speaker. But the speaker's in a specific spot. Sometimes there's two speakers in a, in a guitar amp. A combo. Sometimes there's one, sometimes it's not in the center, it's off to the side a little bit. So as Kern suggests, take your phone, turn on the light, hold your phone up close to the fabric on the grill of that speaker cabinet, and you'll be able to see through the fabric to see where the speaker actually is. Then you can place the mic where you're actually micing the speaker. So many times I've gone in there and I've seen that somebody has placed the mic and it's, you know, micing up a piece of wood. It's not even on the speaker. <laughs> yeah. 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 Unfortunately, those turn out to be my favorite sounds too. Oh no. What are you going to do? What are you going to do? So, um, all right, keep moving on here. Give us a favorite hardware tool for you in the studio, something physical that you love having with you when you're in the studio. Ooh, can I give you two? Uh, and this isn't a plug, uh, due to my injury, I just got a standing workstation. You push mm -hmm. a button that my desk goes up or down. Oh, I want one of those, man. It, <laughs> I'll tell you what, it's an amazing for me. I can work longer. I can. I feel better at the end of a day and I'm more productive. I can stand up and play guitar and record. So that's really been huge. And um, let's see, another one I would say would be, I just got a new Heil PR30. Uh, oh, cool. And 
I didn't get it due to GAS. I got it for to solve a problem in the band. But man, it's just an amazing mic. I love it. So can you explain GAS? Because I'm thinking somebody who hearing that for the first time is thinking, well, who doesn't need gas? A lot of product manufacturers, they hype up their products and they make it seem we can't get good recordings unless we buy all kinds of products and plugins and all this stuff. And I do a lot of reviews, so I feel bad about doing them. But I tell people, you know, it's not going to make you sound any better. Uh, So GAS is that gear acquisition syndrome we all fall into where we Mm. think we need more gear to sound better. And we don't. We just need to learn to use what it is that we do have. Yeah. I'm going to follow that with even another observation. <laughs> we we love being consumers. I mean, we honestly do. We love to browse, um, you know, the musician's friend uh, catalog or go online and look at different things, you know, new gear, new microphones, new plugins, new everything. And there are many, many wonderful tools out there. But I'm going to make an observation of my myself for sure. And I'm going to say this may apply to other people, which is sometimes it's just me taking the easy road. It's a whole lot easier for me to shop than it is for me to say, I'm going to get up and go grab my guitar and start working on a song right now. Yeah. Yeah. I'm like you. I spend a lot of time thumbing through catalogs um, on YouTube. I fall into these YouTube holes where they're doing gear reviews and all of that. And uh, I need to stop myself because it's, you know I don't have the time to do that, I guess. I, I could be making music or learning new things. Yeah. Or I'll make a deal with myself. I'll say, all right, Lid, how about you go write a song all the way, start to finish. And then if you write the song, come on back. We'll go buy a plugin. Sounds good. I've been lucky with the website and I get a lot of stuff to review. I, I couldn't afford any of it without it, but rarely do I use a lot of it. I mean, the stuff that my dog came with, I'm a Persona Studio One user. Their EQ is one of my favorites. Yeah, Joe Gilder and I talked a lot about uh, Studio One. That's his main DAW. I've got it, and I've started trying to learn it. Uh, So I'm no expert at it yet, uh, but I am pretty amazed at what it's capable of. It's got some amazing features in there and cool stuff. Yeah. For whatever reason, I took to that a lot better than Pro Tools. I started with Pro Tools, and I'm not going to dig on them, but Studio One seemed to be quicker and easier for me. Yeah. I'm a Pro Tools user. I love it. I find that Pro Tools, its strength for me is to record a group of people, you know, audio into the computer. And I find apps or DAWs like Studio One, Logic Pro X, it would be preferable to me if I'm just simply trying to compose using the uh, synthesizers built in, drum machines, things like that. So Yeah, I think I would agree with that. That's just my overview of it. So, all right, well, then that takes us to our next question, which is a favorite software tool, which we've just been talking about. But if you want to take it a little further. I will. I'm definitely Studio One. It's not a plug. I mean, they're mastering part of it. It just sold me on, on Studio One. I love it. Uh, I guess also the T-Rex collection. I think their stuff is great. I use it all the time. I'm used to it. And I use that a lot. So I, I guess the way that you can do the um, mid-side processing with all of their stuff, most of their stuff anyway, I guess that would be the software stuff for me. Well, that's interesting. So T-Rex adds a mid-side feature to every one of their plugins? Not every one of them, but a lot of them. You can use them in stereo or as mid-side. That's cool. That's yeah. cool. Yeah. Be interesting. You know, when I, I didn't know what that meant when I first got their stuff, but after a while you get playing around and you learn a couple things and it's just mind-blowing what you can do. Okay. So here, I'm going to propose this, Kern. Let's each sum up mid-side in one sentence. I'll go first. 
Okay. Midside takes the information that's in the center of your audio and allows you to manipulate that, and it separates it from the information that's on the far left and right, so you can manipulate each individually. That might have well, been terrible, but I was right off the top of my head. That, that wasn't even a run-on sentence like I'm probably going to give you. <laughs> it was very good. My sentence would be, in mid-side mode, you can treat the extreme left and right stereo field separate than the mono center channel. Dude, that was spot on, man. <sighs> I do a lot of reviews. Better. <laughs> <laughs> you know, um, uh, another friend and guest on the show is Bjorgman Benedictson. And if he was here now, he would be likely to give us a haiku version of that, which would be pretty <laughs> impressive. He's a pretty, uh, pretty interesting person. And I enjoyed that interview with him. I learned a lot about him. Yeah, he's a great guy. Well, so, all right, um, take us to the next step, and I'm not sure where you're going to come from this. Uh, how about a resource for the business side of recording your music, having a studio? Well, you can learn from any business. Photography world, I learned a lot, uh, you know, with pricing, scheduling your time, how to conduct yourself all of that stuff. So any business person that you know, if they're successful, emulate what they do. Maybe in your niche, the home recording world, if you see someone that's killing it, just try to emulate what they do. Mm -hmm. Now, that said, um, I recently reviewed a product that I, I, I didn't think it would touch me the way that it did. Uh, a guy named Bill DeWeese, he's a voiceover expert. He's uh, on radio and TV with his just his voice doing commercials and things. He has a product that I reviewed. It's called the VoiceOver Playbook. And he talks a lot about branding, how to get clients, how to conduct yourself. And I, I took a lot from that too with the online world. That's great. That's very cool. Yeah, yeah I've, I've learned a ton about business from sources that are totally outside of recording music. Oh, absolutely. And I'll even mention one that you and I talked about in our pre-chat, which is Pat Flynn, the Smart Passive Income podcast and blog. It's just all about business online, which I think you can take away a lot of tips for running your business as a music, as a band, um, whether you've got a website or a digital online store for your music, all good stuff. I owe so much to Pat Flynn. Great, great resource. I'll make sure to include all this, of course, in the show notes. So for anybody who's listening to find this stuff later, you can just simply go to recordingstudiorockstars.com and you'll find the episode of the podcast right there with all the show notes included. So Kern, let me keep you going into the last couple of questions here. This one is kind of, uh, you know, sort of our, our metaphysical hyperbole here, if that's even a thing. Uh, but this <laughs> is this is the idea. Now, imagine that you were dropped in a, a strange new city, and you could only take a simple setup for recording. And when you got there, you wanted to find people, meet them, and start recording them so that you could start the process of this. And you had to make ends meet somehow so that you could survive and continue doing this. This might be you once upon a time getting settled in somewhere, or even now, for example. Or this might be, you know, some young uh, kid who's, who's going to a new town and, and they're like going to make it in music. 
I think I've lived it. And recently, and here, here's what I would say, locally or online, you have to be on everybody's mind in order to get word of mouth reference. Word of mouth is huge. More jobs come from word of mouth than any other way, I believe. And so you have to be out there. You have to be meeting people, not selling yourself, knocking people out with what you can do for them, but just being there. Go, go to open mic. Go where the musicians are and try to solve problems, strike up conversations, be a friend first, and and then let people know what you do as well. And uh, I started doing live music recently a few years ago at a venue, and that's what I did. And I tried, you know, if someone asked you, Lidge, you're booked, uh, but you need someone needs to record a song, you would spit a name out. It's being that name that's so important, you know? Yeah, making sure that you're on somebody's mind when they're trying to think of who can solve this problem for somebody. That's it. So you got to get it out there. And uh, not because it's personas per se, but I have eight inputs. I mean, we live in a great time, you know, it's uh, affordable to have eight inputs. You're using that with the Persona Studio One DAW, right? Yeah. And for mics, whatever you have. I have cheap mics. I have nice mics. Sometimes I use the cheap ones and, you know, it's all about learning to use them. So you've got a eight channel interface. So clearly you could have eight microphones and record a full band tracking. Um, and for anybody who doesn't think eight inputs is enough, uh, maybe go listen to the Beatles for a moment. <laughs> The other part of the equation is to say, you don't have to start out with a bunch of mics either. Really, if you start out with one or two microphones, that's enough for you to begin understanding, well, what does it sound like when I record something with a microphone? And what does it sound like if I do it over here? It's just like learning to light with photography. You have to learn with one light. You have to learn recording, I think, with one microphone. That's how I started, and it, it forces you to place it right. If you're recording drums, you got one mic, what do you do? You know, it, I can't imagine starting with multiple mics. Mm -hmm. You know, the phase issues I would have had and, oh, it would have been awful. <laughs> I'm so glad that you brought up the photography analogy because one of my mentors when I started out in learning to record music is a guy named Brad Jones, who has a studio here in Nashville called Alex the Great Recording. When I would record with Brad, he always talked about imagining that you're the microphone and you're a camera lens. So you're looking through this microphone down at the drum kit or, or at the instrument you're recording. And all of a sudden, the whole concept opened up to me. You know, he would talk about placing the overhead mic on the drum so that it could see the beater of the kick drum. And that made it so much easier for me to conceptualize where to place a mic when I thought about visibly seeing the thing I was trying to record. Yeah, I have two free products I give away if I can do a shameless plug here. One of them is called All About Microphones. It's a video training, I don't know, like five or six videos where I explain everything about microphones and I use that very analogy. So it's it, it works. That's awesome. Yeah, I can see it right here on my computer screen. It looks really nice. All right, so here's our final whopper of a question. Can you share with us the single most important thing that a listener could do to become a rock star of the recording studio? Slow down and get it right. You know, experiment with your microphones and do the heavy lifting before you hit the record button. Yes. I would even say don't focus on where you're going with your recordings, but focus on where you're at right now with them. And then also commit. You have to commit. 
Yeah. And that's a whole nother topic, right? That is a whole nother topic, but it's an easy one to do. It just means stop recording, move on to the next thing, you know, commit yeah. something, put it down and move on. Don't save all of your options for later on in the mixing and, and mastering process, you know, make up your mind and, and commit. Mm -hmm. They talk about the decision-making ability is like a muscle that you have to exercise. And the more you exercise it, the better you get at making decisions. Yeah, it scares me still. You know, I, I always hate to take options off the table, but a, a great analogy with photography, I know a photographer that always takes a great picture and then he takes a second one just in case. And I always think, just in case what? You know, <laughs> you, you, you got the first one, move on, let's do another one, you know? Yeah. So yeah. Don't be scared. And if you, you know, there's no mistakes. It's art. It's fun, right? Yeah. I'm, I remember working with Steve Albini up in Chicago and he would talk about, uh, you know, how a band would do a take and then they do another take and maybe they didn't like the first take. And then I think he would suggest, well, let's go over and we'll record over that one. And they might be hesitant to do it. And it's like, well, if it's not good enough, why are we keeping it? <laughs> What's the point? Great point. I was going to say, getting hired to do stuff for, for musicians, I can understand being scared about committing, you know, make your best educated guess. And, and you know, they're coming to you for your experience and, and your skill set. You got something to offer. So don't be scared to commit. And in that case, if they're hiring you, it's kind of their responsibility to make the commitment choices too. So you may be faced with holding on to, you know, a previous take just long enough to allow them to commit to something. Yeah, good point. Well, all right, Kern, thanks so much for joining us on Recording Studio Rockstars. You really killed it, man. You've been a fantastic guest on the show, and I really appreciate you being here. Lidge, thank you for asking me. I'm humbled, and I had an absolute blast talking with you. Cool. Well, let our listeners know how they can find you, and then give another shout-out for your free e-bundle. Sure. Uh, it's homerecordingweekly.com, and like I said, I'm on Facebook and YouTube and the Twitter thing. I'm not very good at tweeting yet. I'm getting there. I try to give people a behind-the-scenes look at what I do. So Home Recording Weekly, my email is on the About Me page. Please send me any questions you have, and I'll do my best to answer them or find someone that can if I can't. And if you are thinking about buying any kinds of training, I am an affiliate seller. I get a piece of the sale, and I use that to keep my podcast afloat. So if you use one of my links in one of my reviews to buy something, I will send you a video training bundle that I put together to help you with mixing things and recording things and MIDI and all kinds of fun stuff. And I would also point out to listeners that the concept of the affiliate link, it actually costs you the exact same amount of money if you bought it any other way. So it doesn't cost any more. You actually just get this free helping hand from Kern to get a good deep look at the product. You get a you know an impartial perspective on what it is so that you can really understand if it's the right product for you. And like he said, he also gives you these bonus videos, which is really cool. Thank you so much for saying that and for pointing that out, Lidge. That's awesome. Well, Kern, thanks so much, man. I can't wait to uh, talk to you again in the future, and hopefully I'll see you somewhere up in the in the deep green woods of, of northern Maine one day. I look forward to that, my friend. All right, cheers. We'll talk soon. Okay. Thanks so much for listening to Recording Studio Rockstars. If you enjoyed the show and want to help make it better, please leave a rating and review on iTunes to help reach more people. You can click directly over to iTunes or go to recordingstudiorockstars.com slash review for an easy explanation. And if you want more free content, 
All you have to do is text RS Rockstars to 33444. Again, that's RS Rockstars to 33444, and I'll keep you in the loop with articles, videos, and podcast updates. And I'll let you know about any upcoming giveaway offers, all totally free. Thanks for listening. I'm Lid Shaw, and this is Recording Studio Rockstars. Now, go make great music. Thank、you